hear ye, hear ye. Welcome back. JMJ Missions Podcast, Season 4, Episode <laughs> 3, I think, right? Is it Episode 3? Honestly, I don't really know because we were debating on whether Anthony or I should lead it. Well, Anthony solidified. hasn't led. You haven't led in a while. I And it's time. And, you know, I'm instantly regretting it after that <laughs> intro. So, Well, I think last time I led, I did the hear ye. You, pro- you probably did. Yeah. Uh-huh. Either way, it was dorky then, it's dorky now. So you're just, you know, digging yourself a bigger hole. Yep. And I'm fine with it. <laughs> fine with it. We are JMJ Missions, as you can tell. Obviously, we have a podcast. I'm not sure why we tell you that, because you're listening to this right now. <laughs> but we also have, you know what, today, I'm going to pick YouTube. Go subscribe to us on YouTube. Don't worry about our other stuff. We have all the other stuff. You probably know that. But today, we're, we can use the YouTube subscribers. So go over there, subscribe, and we'll pray for you. Thanks. Today, we have an interesting podcast. We have a Saint Draft. Uh, this was an idea that I got a long time ago from Taylor Scroll, Forte Catholic. He mentioned, or he may have done a podcast with where he was drafting people. I, was, I don't remember if it was biblical characters or if it was saints, but he was drafting people. And it sounded like a good idea, so it's been a little while, so I'm going to give him credit for that. But today, Dan and I, we're going to draft three different drafts for a two-on-two basketball team. Now, don't worry. You don't have to be a basketball fan to enjoy this podcast, but you probably know what two-on-two basketball is. It's just basketball with two people on your team. And no, the Saints are not actually (laughs) going to play basketball, but you can pretend that they are. (laughs) And the three categories for our teams, we're going to make a purity team or like a purity draft a theology team or a theology draft, and lastly, a martyrdom team or a martyrdom draft. And Dan and I do not know who we have. Like, I don't, I'm not going to tell him my picks just like a real draft because if he picks the saint that I want, I have to alter my picks. So uh, sit back, relax, grab some nice coffee or something or maybe a lemon Snapple iced tea, not sponsored. And <laughs> let's start with our stuff in the world. Dan, what's our stuff in the world? Uh, you told me you were going to give me the stuff of the world. Well, yeah, I told you that because I thought I wasn't going to lead. Oh, okay. So, okay. So the stuff in the world, gotcha. It's going to be, uh, well, we're coming off Black Friday, Thanksgiving weekend, Cyber Monday weekend. You know, we're a few days past that. So um, the question was, how do you feel about Black Friday, Cyber Monday, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. What are your thoughts on all this hullabaloo? I am glad now that it's online because I remember as a kid seeing the videos of people sleeping outside of Best Buy and storming the gates and like trampling the person who unlocks the... Yeah. And I remember, I think in New York, I think somebody died. Like somebody that had to oh, unlock like the doors. Every like, year. Sometime, yeah. Every year you hear about And it's a shame. Dying. It's like you're willing to like step on somebody for a laptop. Yeah, it's sad. Like who cares? It's a laptop. It's sad. Um, so now that it's online, I know it's not as crazy. So I, I think it's interesting. I bought a new belt online. Got a nice little deal on it. I was really excited to buy a new belt. Um, yeah. That's okay. about the most. That's the extent of my Black Friday right. participation. I'm sorry. I just laughed about the fact that it's just like a belt. That's it's just, just the a most random belt. object I could possibly. And when it, when it comes in, I'll probably put it on our Instagram story. Oh, very nice. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know how to follow that up. Uh, all right. So my, my feelings about... Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I think it's nice to get the sales. I think people take advantage of it. I think it's nice to start that Christmas shopping. Um, it is nice also that a lot of it's done on the internet now because people are getting less trampled, uh, which is always a good thing. Uh, sounds funny, but it's actually not funny at all because people really have gotten hurt in the past. Um, in general, though, it's, it's uh, yeah, it, people talk about Black Friday and Cyber Monday and that whole weekend more than they talk about like anything like it totally takes over the entire nation the, like it's a its own holiday 
And that's a problem because that means there's an inversion of what's, you know, what should be the country's priorities and even other countries too that take part in it. Like your priorities should be like God, you know, your family, uh, and then like your business deals after that. It just shows an inversion there, um, which I think is still going on and will continue to go on. As people drift away from God, they're going to continue to try to fill that void with stuff, materialism and things like that and, you know, you know, purchases. Uh, having said that, I'm going to be a total hypocrite now and mention that I did buy a MetaQuest 2. I know. I played it. It was a lot of fun, especially the zombies. <laughs> yeah. I debated over it for a long time. I normally never buy anything for Black Friday ever. I, it's like the first time I've ever actually taken advantage of a Black Friday sale. The reason I'm, I justified it in my mind is um, because uh, I'm getting a house. In fact, we're closing probably this week on the house. Uh, because the market is so expensive, I think I've said this in a previous podcast, like I'm not going to have much extra spending money month to month at all, if anything. So I feel like it's the last big purchase I could make. And it wasn't really that big of a purchase. It was about half the price as the new one that just came out. Right. So it's last, like, the old... like unnecessary purchase. Exactly. You can make. It's like the old one. And it's something my kids and I could, you know, play with, you know, together yeah. as a family. Uh, you know, you stream it on the screen, you do educational things on there for a long time. So I justified it that way. Um, having said that, I do think it's just really important to keep your heart focused on what's good and what's and what's right and on the Lord first, and that way you're not up and down. You're not your feelings are not being uh, managed by Black Friday deals whatsoever. So, you know, all things in moderation. Yep, I agree. Okay, so we'll take a quick break, and then we're gonna head on over to or not. I mean, me and Anthony aren't moving. We're just gonna like metaphorically head over to the the draft room, <laughs> the Saint draft. Yeah, the draft room. Yeah, yep. look at our draft boards. Welcome back. All right, so we're going to draft, and I say we just, just pop right in. Why not? Yeah. So the, the first topic is purity. You know, pur- purity is a great thing that us Catholics need. Chastity, some of the good virtues, virtues that are going to help you get to heaven. To Not to be randomly dark, but Our Lady of Fatima, when she saw the three kids, uh, Jacinta, Lucia, and Francisco, she showed them heaven and hell. When they saw heaven, they were so excited they wanted to go now. Uh, but Mary said, you have to wait. Well, she said to the two kids, it's going to be soon, but that's a different story. Either way, she showed them hell and she saw, they saw a lot of people in hell. So they asked why, like, why are there so many people? And Mary responded and said, the sins of the flesh are why so many people are in hell. Now I don't tell you this to scare you. If you, if you struggle with these sins, there's hope, there's breath in your lungs. There's the sacrament of confession. And then there's these saints that we're about to give you for, extra tools right absolutely and yeah. it's the interesting thing about fatima is that society was way more modest 100 years ago yeah than it is now right so uh, i think i think uh, i was actually talking to my students i'm actually teaching theology of the body to my students right now and uh, i was telling them today like it's so hard to be pure today because it's everywhere so these saints definitely are going to help you of course my saints will end up beating your saints in the I purity disagree. purity basketball game well how do we two. decide who gets first pick um, we'll just go back and forth like a series. You right. can have, I'll, I'll even let you have first pick just because right, I'm good. so confident that I'm going to Because I you. wanted first pick. All right, with the first pick in the draft, cue the draft music from the NFL. I am taking out of Hippo, St. Augustine. Ah, See what I did there? Because yes. I usually say where they're from. Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. Now you're setting a high bar with these geographical yep. stats. I am going with St. Augustine first. Out of, and, out of Hippo. And Hippo? No, it's Hippo. It's technically pronounced Hippo. No, it's not. Oh, well, yeah. It's Hippo. Look well, it then up. how do you say the animal in the zoo? It's not the animal in the zoo. It's, it's spelled the same way. Yeah, but it's a city. 
Yeah, but the, the city is pronounced that way because that's how you say it look, in that it, dialect. Because, well, well, hold on, hold on. <laughs> so, like, when you say, when you see France, do you say France? <laughs> or do you say France? Uh, you're spo- I mean, if you're if you're a, a, a sophisticated individual, you'll say France. I'm not saying France to any anyone. That's true. I would have less <laughs> respect for you as an American if you <laughs> yeah. said it that way. Regardless, it's hippo. All right. Well, Continue. that's actually a Proceed. fun fact. I didn't know that. <laughs> All right, I'm picking St. Augustine because he struggled with lust. He struggled with promiscuity. I believe he was married multiple times. And even while he was married, he had mistresses, which is kind of funny. Um and he didn't, he was actually resisting getting baptized and St. Monica didn't want him to get baptized yet either uh, because, you know, baptism takes away original sin, but it also takes away all of your sins. So St. Augustine kind of wanted to wait till he kind of had a more of a pure motivation to get baptized and St. Monica agreed, but he was out in the garden. He heard a voice, take and read. He picked up and read and I forget what it was. I just wrote a paper on it. I should remember. Do you know what it was when... What it was a, was it Corinthians? It was, it was, I think it's Corinthians. It was definitely Paul. Yeah. So he read that and it just blew his mind. And at that moment, he knew what he had to do and he was inspired. And he said a really honest prayer. He said, make me pure, but not yet. Because he, maybe he wasn't fully ready to give up on those sins. But ultimately, God did assist him and he gave him all the grace he needed. And he corresponded with the grace and left behind his sins and became a doctor of the church. So he didn't continue with that lifestyle to become one of the greatest saints, he left behind that lifestyle, and that's why he's one of the greatest saints. Yeah, he cried his eyes out in that moment, too. Yeah. All right, good pick, good pick. Uh, uh, for my first pick on, on purity, I'm going to go with uh, a modern saint, well, modernish, uh, St. Maria Goretti, who uh, we know the story. Well, a lot of the listeners may know the story. 13-year-old, actually, she might have been 12, uh, Italian girl, extremely known for her, for her uh, innocence, extremely innocent and just extremely loving prayerful devout catholic family although her dad died when she was a little younger so she didn't have much of a protective father <clears throat> older male figure in her life uh, someone that took advantage of that was a farmhand a boy man a young man i say he was 19 alessandro alessandro his name was who had a weird a kind of a perverted lust and uh he one day uh, took advantage of that and tried to um force himself on her sexually and she would not let him and she struggled um and here's the crazy part in her struggle for purity she didn't struggle just out of self-defense. She kept saying, it's a sin, it's a sin. Right. And then when he threatened her and said, well, I'm going to do it anyway, she didn't say, no, I don't want to get hurt. She said, I don't want you to go to hell. Yeah. That's like the selflessness there is unbelievable that she wanted to value her purity because it's a sin, not even as much out of the self-defense and because she didn't want him to go to hell. Like the, the just the love, the the selfless love there at, uh, from her is was ridiculous so uh not being able to get what he wanted because she resisted so fiercely he stabbed her i think what 13 times yeah actually times? i just learned today it was 11 because she was 11 and she was stabbed 11 times oh, she was 11 okay. but then he gave her three extra on the way out oh okay yeah. jeez okay <laughs> so 14 so, total okay uh so she was rushed uh to a doctor she was dying they knew she was going to die and on her deathbed and of course alessandro took off ran away uh, on her deathbed she said that she forgave him and then she asked her relatives to forgive him which is, and then she said, I want him in heaven with me. I'm not going to rest till he's in heaven with, with me. And the, there's a couple versions of the story. So you can look up, look it up online. Um, we're going to book on her for like the most direct one. But the one that I have heard is that uh, years, so he went to jail. They found him. <clears throat> he goes to jail. He's completely unrepentant. Wasn't sorry at all. I mean, something clearly wrong with this person until one night in jail, he has a dream. And uh, in the dream, he was in a field and saw her like radiant with light and she smiled at him 
It was like this heavenly place that, that he was in with her. And she smiled at him and handed him, I believe, a lily, which signifies purity. And uh, when he when he got that lily, um, it like changed him. He woke up uh, and he was absolutely um, just completely shocked by the love that he felt from her, the love he felt from that place. And uh, spent like days and days crying because of his sins. Sorry. Uh, he was let out of prison early because he was such a good model prisoner. Um, dedicated his whole life to God. In fact, there were some people when he died that wanted to make him a saint. Although he was so bad that they kind of just said, we won't really want to go there. Right. <laughs> he, so, like, he could be in heaven, but they're not going to canonize him. They're not going to canonize yeah. him officially, but you, for all intents and purposes, he probably is. Yeah. Because of her prayers, yeah. right? So her prayers were so powerful and her intercessions from heaven was so strong that she went out of her way to appear to him in this dream. He had a, he got out of prison early and was at the canonization and sat next to her mom at her canonization yep. as a saint. That is what amazing story of not only his own turn to purity because he became a pure man after that and a contrite, humble, loving person, but forgiveness. Mm-hmm. So uh, with the double whammy of forgiveness and purity, right? I'm and also go he, he had to let go of his pride to even ask for forgiveness and to sit next to the mom. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, unless that wouldn't have been easy, <laughs> right? I mean, I can't believe that. Yeah, and apparently yeah. they became like friends. I think so. You know, um, if you're struggling with purity, uh, Maria Goretti is, is someone who can help you out with that as well. Well, if we're going off height, so far my basketball team's winning because I have St. Augustine <laughs> against Maria Goretti, who was, was 11. Like 11. <laughs> so just by height, I think St. Augustine's going to out-rebound her. Um, all right, my second pick for the 2 on 2 purity draft is going to be St. Joseph because mm. how could it not be? Yeah. St. Joseph was the protector of Mary, the mother of God. And if there's ever a man, out of all the men that ever lived besides Jesus, Joseph is the holiest man that ever lived. Um, not as holy as Mary, because Mary was perfect, but Joseph was a sinner just like us. I mean, his sins were probably really small, but he wasn't perfect to, to where Mary was. But Joseph was really good at self-control. So they lived out their marriage completely chaste. Like, uh, and with Jesus didn't have any other brothers and sisters. So it's not like Jesus was the only one that had a miraculous birth and then Joseph and Mary, you know what I mean, had other kids. No, like they remained completely, completely pure uh, their, the entirety of their marriage. And like, I just can't imagine the self-control that that must take. Yeah, a ton mm-hmm. of self-control. He's definitely a model saint for chastity and purity. Also, when you think about Mary, the, be- the beauty of the soul, like in this corrupted world, our body and souls are connected, as I've said, like every podcast, <laughs> but um, it's not a perfect connection. We don't have a perfect... Like the, you can kind of get the glimpse of what's happening in somebody's soul through their body, through their body language. Sometimes our bodies do respond to our prayers, to our souls with health and things like that. But with Mary, because she was not corrupted by sin, uh, she was like her body and soul would have had a perfect connection to each other. And her soul was perfectly open to God's grace. So if her soul was completely full of God's grace, it was going to radiate out in her body, mm-hmm. meaning just her mannerisms, her, her face would have been exceedingly yeah. beautiful to look mm-hmm. at. Like it would automatically have made her the most beautiful in a pure, wholesome way. Right. The most beautiful woman to walk the face of the earth. That mm-hmm. was his wife. Yeah. And uh, in order to preserve that tabernacle, yeah. that no, you know, the, which is her womb, which no, no one can enter after Jesus, right? Uh-huh. Like they stayed totally pure. So yeah, he, I mean, the, the dude was amazing. Yep. Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, he's good at other things too, but we'll go to that, get to that later. Right. Your the, turn. This, okay. My final pick, it's between two. Uh, it was either going to be John Paul II, because of his theology of the body that he wrote, which was amazing. But I'm going to put him on hold. I'm going to choose St. John Bosco. And the reason I'm choosing St. John Bosco, he was a, a, a priest, very holy priest in the 1800s who had many orphanages, or he called them oratories for boys uh, and a few for girls too, uh, that uh, had no father figures or heard no parents at all. They were total orphans. They were on the streets stealing. 
They were uncatechized. They knew nothing about the faith. They would most of them end up dead or in prison. So what he did was he befriended them, became like a father figure to them, housed them, taught them a trade, taught them the catechism. Uh, a couple of them be, like are in the process of becoming saints now, like like St. Dominic Savio is a saint. Mm-hmm. I mean, like these people loved him, and uh, almost every kid that he took in had like a massive conversion, and they went on to become some of them great priests, some of them great parents, great fathers, and great citizens. Uh, so amazing, amazing guy. Had multiple miraculous gifts. One of the main sins that he had to deal with with these kids of course, some of them being adolescent, you know, mm-hmm. 12 to 17 years old, was impurity with themselves, with others, things like that. And so um, he would uh, he would know just because he could read hearts. And also he'd have dreams in which Jesus or Mary or some kind of like guide, maybe an angel or something from heaven, would show him the sins of the kids and they'd be correct every time in these dreams. Uh, so many of them had purity issues. And he fought for their purity and prayed for their purity and, and guided them, so many of them, to purity. That I would say, especially for adolescents, for young people listening to this, but for anybody, St. John Bosco is your guy because of his his ability to guide those kids to purity uh, almost miraculously. Great and because answer. He's, and because he dealt with it so many times. Yeah. All right. So 212, I have St. Augustine and St. Joseph versus St. Marie Gretti and St. John Bosco. <laughs> All right. Well, so I didn't realize they were actually going to be playing basketball. Well, they, they don't have to, but they can. No, I think if it's they more were. Fun if they no, do. no, it's okay. If they were. If they were. I win on the uh, basketball Unless court. Maria Goretti was just re- like freakishly athletic for an 11 year old girl. <laughs> I mean, John Bosco did play some sports with those boys to like yes, win them over, so but he wasn't good. necessarily an athlete. I'm going to go with Joseph, who was a tough, tough carpenter, and St. Augustine, who was just a, a real Renaissance man, <laughs> not in the time period he was before then, but he just had, did a lot of things. So, so then I probably win the basketball I round. Think you, I think you'd win the basketball round. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right, should we move on to the next topic? Yeah, next All topic. right, next one is theology, and you get first pick, so which saint are you picking for your theology <laughs> basketball team? I'm gonna, uh, because you've uh, – wait, no, question. Are we able to pick saints for two separate teams or no? Uh, like, can you pick St. Marie Gretti again? Is yeah. that what you mean? You can, but that's also boring. Yeah, are you gonna do that? I don't know. I'm not. Gonna, I can't tell you because then. Well, I'm about to. I'm about to snatch Augustine if you're not. If you're gonna try to pick him you can again, pick, you can pick Saint Augustine. That's no. Fine. You know what? I'm not. I'm just gonna go toe to toe, and I'm gonna beat you anyway with Thomas Aquinas. <laughs> Thomas Aquinas. Yes, I know. So much of our theology comes from Saint Augustine, especially the Church's theology on grace, but so many other things too. But nobody has had more of an impact the last 800 years on the Church than Thomas Aquinas and his classic. Summa Theologica, or Theologiae, however you want to say it. Uh, he, The dude wrote like thousands and thousands and thousands of pages in his lifetime, like so much that it's you almost don't believe that a person could write that much. Uh, so the guy was absolutely amazing. Uh, he may have actually been a little autistic looking back now. You know, I, I could see that because I read the Summa, not all of it, but I read bits and pieces of it. And it's actually, it's ingenious um, because what he does, if you don't know anything about it, he kind of brings up a topic in the faith, and then he gives things that a, a hater could say or an, or an anti-believer would say, right. and then he responds to that. And then he responds to his response. Right. So it's almost like, I don't know if you've ever done this, like in, like in the shower, like you think of like perfect responses you could have said in an argument to someone. Yeah. And it's like, it's like almost like he did that, but he wrote it down, and it was like perfect. I do that when I'm even not in the shower. I'm just, I debate with myself all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I like pretend because then I want to win souls over. So I pretend that I'm like some skeptical kid or some atheist when I think of uh, theological ideas and then how I would gently convince the person otherwise. But uh, right, that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry. I don't know why I brought that up. Anyway, 
yeah, and the crazy part is whether he was or wasn't autistic, if he was, like, God redeemed that in a crazy way because he used it for good. I mean, it doesn't matter what your gifts, because with autism comes gifts and limitations. My um, People in my family uh, struggle with that, a few sure. people. And so, like, there's gifts and limitations, and for the gifts, oh, my gosh, like, his mind has helped, like, thousands if not millions of people throughout the centuries if, right? if anything that just proves god's power more if he did have autism that god used him in that way so like it doesn't matter like whatever your excuse is it doesn't matter right because like god will like find some way to use you right exactly yeah uh most skeptical questions people have about the church i will tell you they think it's some i run into people all the time they have this huge skeptical question about god well if god exists then what about this or if the church really is jesus's church what about this they don't realize this but they're not that these questions aren't that special 75% of all skeptical questions I get from my students or from other people, from grown adults, uh, Thomas Aquinas has already thought about and answered very well 800 years ago. Yes, yeah, true. So chances are, if you have a skeptical question about the church, just look up look Thomas up. Aquinas. He probably already answered it, and he probably will blow your mind with how, how genius his answer is. Yep, I agree. Good, good choice. Good choice. All right, my, second, my first pick in this draft is going to be a sleeper pick. I'm going with St. Anthony of Egypt for my theology choice. Whoa. And that's because when he, he lived just to briefly tell you what he did in his life, he grew up really rich. Uh, he never liked fancy things though. Like his family would like offer him like hors d'oeuvres and like caviar and stuff like that. He didn't want any part of it. So he would leave and he, um, all he wanted to do was like take care of uh, his sister. So his parents died. He took care of his sister and then he just went out in the desert and roughed it. And I believe it was 20 (laughs) years and he goes out there and all he ate was like one piece of bread per day that he had one friend that would travel to his little desert hut and just leave him the piece of bread and like, and then go home. Like that little the friend wouldn't like hang out and chat. Like he would literally just bring him the piece of bread and he totally mastered all of his vices while he was out there in the desert. And he's writing about it. Like he's writing about temptations that he has towards, I could have used him for purity temptations towards purity and how he mastered it. Uh, temptations to eat more uh, than he should and how he mastered it. And he was just like literally mastering his will. And the way that he did it was through sacrifice and through prayer and through fasting. So it's like he might not be a doctor of the church or he might not be someone that you're going to go to to kind of win an argument. But if you want to learn how to be like Christ really fast, then you read read his stuff. Okay. Now I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna call you out on that and say uh-huh. that as amazing as, and I love St. Anthony of Egypt too, I would put that more in the spirituality category than that's just fair. straight theology. That's fair because so it's I, not. Yeah. So I feel like I'm I'm kicking your butt right now. That's true, <laughs> but it, like I said, it's a sleeper, so it's like you're someone right. that no, could have right. been like a fourth round pick. Okay. But he's uh, I took him in the first round because I like. And him. you know what? Probably a lot of the theology the church uses is from the Desert Fathers on spirituality. Uh-huh. So okay, no, I I feel you there. I, I I understand the avenue, and I think that he is really good sleeper pick there. Yep. Okay. Okay. And he did write about some things, which is really cool. I'm, I'm pretty sure. So that's awesome. Um. My second choice uh, is going to be uh, St. John Paul II. Okay. So I didn't choose him for Theology of the Body because of that, um, which means you can't choose St. Augustine, which is going to just give the uh, just give the victory to me automatically pretty much after that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, well, anyway, <laughs> being such a narcissist. No, I'm, like, I'm like some trash talking you so hard. <laughs> uh, anyway, was I saying? Right, John Paul II. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, he wrote, and he's more of a philosopher too, but he wrote a lot of great theology. People usually go to Benedict for theology, John Paul for philosophy. I think there's a lot of overlap. Uh, all of his encyclicals, uh, everything he wrote, uh, Veritati Splendor, all these things that he wrote about the, about the church, the truth, his contributions to Vatican II, 
when you read him, you, you can tell you're reading not only someone who's like a saint, but someone who was absolutely brilliant. Uh, so I would encourage people to look up any of his encyclicals. Uh, the one on suffering, on human suffering, is amazing. Like the, the, the redemptive suffering, he spends an entire cyclical just talking about that. And uh, when you read it, you have to take your time. You got to go slowly because he is very smart and the, the words he uses are a little lofty sometimes. But uh, if, you, when, if you can hang with him, uh, you get actual graces. Because, you know, some theologians, like I'm thinking back to my seminary days and to the, the grad classes that, you know, we're taking. Um, like some theologians, you read them and like they're just talking to hear themselves talk. Uh-huh. You don't really feel the Holy Spirit underneath of it. Uh, not that their aim should be to like feel the Holy Spirit. I mean, they're, they're just, you know, talking about theology, but a really good saintly theologian, not only are you going to learn, but you're going to notice that there's, that there's something holy underneath of it. Like you're getting graces from reading it. John Paul and Benedict I also say, but this is John Paul I'm talking about are phenomenal when it comes to those, those uh, aspects. Yeah. Good choice. And who's your, who's your number two pick? Should I go with one that like makes sense for the category or should I go with um, another sleeper? Go the sleeper. All right, my other sleeper is Saint Catherine of Siena, because mm. she. I love the letters that she wrote to the popes, to, like because the popes moved to France, yeah, which they weren't supposed to do, which we could probably do a whole podcast on. <laughs> but she let them have it. She literally wrote in a letter that they that she can smell the stench of their sin from Italy. It was Pope Gregory's court. Pope uh, Pope Gregory's advisors. Oh, really? They were awful people. <laughs> yeah. And she and she when she met with him, she read his heart. Uh, Nice. That's what convinced him that she was legit. So, like, again, she's not writing, like, official theology textbooks, but, like, just the way that she thought was so clear, and, like, she was admonishing the sinners. She just let them have it, and... But there was charity behind it. She wasn't roasting people for the sake of being, like, roasting them. (laughs) She was, like, instructing them what was good for the benefit of their own souls. Right. Have you ever uh, uh, read a part of her her dialogue? So she has a book called Dialogues, and it's just her speaking to God. No. It's it's amazing, and it is. There is there's a lot of theological stuff behind it. Like she says stuff like, like your soul with God is like you're a fish swimming in the sea. You're a fish. The sea is God. Like you can't live without God. Your soul. He, she gets really into it. Um, you come up with some spiritual giants here. <laughs> if this is a spirituality battle, uh, yeah. You, and you know, you I trounce me. That's because it's like that's the kind of spirituality that I gravitate towards. Like yeah. that that is like my theology. I don't know if that's heretical to say. So basketball-wise, I definitely won the first one, but I think you're winning this one. Let's see. So you were Catherine of Siena. And Anthony of Egypt. Anthony of Egypt. Uh, Anthony of Egypt may have some really crazy stamina. In fact, Catherine of Siena probably would too because they like both fasted so much. That's true. But, they, then but they were... John Paul was an athlete. Yeah, he was. He was a total athlete. Now, Thomas Aquinas, probably not. Thomas Aquinas, but you know what Thomas Aquinas would have done before the game? He would have devised some incredible strategy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, so, uh, yeah, I think I'm going to take Yeah, all right, so I won the first one, you won the next one. So it comes down to the last one. (laughs) And the last category is martyrdom. Martyrdom. So you got the first pick in the last one, so now I get the first pick. That's all you, man. All right, for martyrdom, I am going to go with St. Jose Sanchez del Rio because Mm. at age 14 years old, accepted death rather than giving up his faith. For any age, that's difficult, but especially for a 14-year-old to be that in love with God, I think he's just the model for the youth. And the way that he died was incredibly painful and he was tortured. And you would think like if someone gets tortured, that would make them throw in the towel and they would say, okay, fine, I give up my faith. And then maybe they, could, they would apostatize in public and maybe pray in private. But he didn't do that either. So he accepted death all the way in its, to the fullest extent. And just at age 14, I find that incredibly admirable. So he is my number one pick, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio. Yeah, he makes a lot of appearances in our talks for confirmation retreats. Amazing. Did you say that? 
Uh, I know I did not say that. Okay. Um, yeah, I do love. I love. Yeah, Jose Sanch. He's a good one, uh, man. And uh, that 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 stare. You know, like he. No. Oh, yeah. To, can you explain that? Oh, um, the oh the stare down. So they were like yeah. they were torturing his feet. They were cutting his feet and burning his feet because he was marching for Christ. And uh, whenever someone is martyred, they like to attack them in the areas of their body that they use for Christ. So he was marching, so they attacked his feet. And they asked him ten times, give up your faith. Each time he said no. So the ninth time they asked him, uh, give up your faith or we're going to kill you. He didn't. He said no. Then they said, this is one more chance. La- last try. Give up your faith or we're going to kill you. He didn't say yes or no. He looked down to his feet. He grabbed the blood from his own feet and traced the sign of the cross with his thumb, with his blood in the ground as kind of like saying, I am not giving up my faith. So that made them really mad, and they shot him on the spot and buried him wow. right there. Now, uh, I'm going to ask you at the very end if you could share his miracle, because these martyrdom accounts sound so gruesome and horrible, and they are. It's awful. But uh, with God, with Christ, the resurrection always, the joy of the resurrection always wins out. So I'm gonna, at the end, maybe you can share his maybe miracle. Maybe that'll be the devotional cup. That's fine. All right. Okay. Um, yeah. Is that your, is that your, so your pick? That's my number one pick, okay. yeah. My number one pick is going to be um, Maximilian Colby. It's going to be my second. That was going to be my number two. <laughs> hey, Udo'd you. Udo reverse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, I think we know who's going to win this one. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking so much trash. Yeah, All right. Uh, who did I say? Oh, right. Maximilian Colby. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the reason being is because when he uh, was a, a young boy, I, this is so cool. I learned this um, not too long ago, actually. Blessed Mother appeared to him when he was a kid. And uh, he had a vision, and she held him the held him two crowns out. She said, "Here's a crown of purity, and here's a crown of martyrdom. Which one do you choose?" And he said, "I choose both." I just picture Christophonic when he on YouTube when he goes, "I choose both." Like the like the way he said it. Because <laughs> <laughs> go on. So he chooses both <laughs> martyrdom and purity, which would mean that he was going to be celibate and be very pure and. Honestly, he was so holy, it probably meant he was never going to fall into mortal sin in his entire life, but we don't know that for sure. Either way, he was definitely celibate, uh, and he um, uh, gave up you know, having a wife and children for that, became a priest, very holy priest. And the second one, martyrdom, that took place in none other than Auschwitz itself. Um, you tell the story really well. Um, do you want to tell the story real That's quick? That's your saint, though. You want to tell the story? Yeah, whatever. So, Go ahead. Uh, yeah, there was, uh, what, would hap- what would happen is when somebody would escape uh, Auschwitz, they would take 10 random prisoners and kill them. Uh, in order to guilt the person that escaped, guilt other people from escaping. So, well, somebody escaped, and um, what they did was they lined up all the prisoners. The, the commanders were uh, despicable people, and uh, they um, they lined up the ten prisoners and took them all off to a chamber where they would just keep them uh, with no food or water and just let them thirst to death, which is a really disgusting, like horrible, you know, gruesome way to die. And so they got to the tenth person. And uh, they drag him out, and it's a man. He starts crying, begging the commander, saying, please don't, don't take me. I have a wife. I have children. They, they depend on me. They need me. And the commander was not going to have that. He was going to be thrown into the dungeon and killed until a uh, man steps out. Uh, and you wouldn't be able to tell him from anybody else because they were all, all wearing their prisoner suits. Walks right up to the commander very bravely and says, I'm a Catholic priest. This man has a family. I'd like to take his place. The commander was so shocked at this amazing heroic act of like love and bravery that he just says, yes, okay, because he didn't know what to say. He was like, probably dumbfounded. So they let the guy go back into his spot. They throw Maximilian Colby in there. And for days, he leads everybody. Instead of like shrieks of terror, which is and, and, and horror, you know, uh, which is what the commanders were used to hearing, they hear hymns. 
He's this priest is leading all the prisoners there in hymns to Jesus, hymns to Mary. He's leading them in the rosary. He hears their confessions, absolves all their sins. One by one, they all start to die, uh, except him. Uh, how long was it? Twelve days. Twelve days without water. No food, no water. That's impossible. Like I'm not. I'm just gonna say. It. Like I know some people are, are capable of long stretches, but usually three days, four days tops. You're done, right? Twelve days. He's still okay. Uh, just wouldn't die. That really freaked him out. So they injected him with uh, carbolic acid. Okay, carbolic acid, and that is what killed him. Um, amazing, amazing saint, saint of World War II, and um, super, super courageous way to to give up your life, and probably a mystic as well. And then the guy that he saved attended Maximilian Kolbe's canonization. Oh yeah, he survived yeah. Auschwitz. So his yep. act of love uh-huh. it was honored spiritually. Yep. I think his family survived. His whole family I survived. Think so, right? Yeah. yeah, I think it's so. Amazing stuff. Good okay, choice. who's your who's your final choice? Blessed Miguel Pro. I'm sticking with the 1920s Mexico era. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Blessed All Miguel right. Pro. I'll sum up his story really quick. He was a priest. Uh, it's now illegal to be Catholic, so he would dress up in disguises to give people communion. He would dress up like a homeless guy and go door to door, like right. pretend, pretending like he was begging for food. And the president, Caez, knew that he was out there somewhere. And then somebody tried to kill Caez, and the Caez took this as a chance to blame Miguel Pro. When it definitely wasn't Miguel Pro. Yeah. Like, Miguel Pro did not plan an assassination. Uh, so, the president uh, blames Miguel Pro. They find him. They line him up. president wants to make a scene out of Miguel Pro. So, they line him up uh, in a firing range with five dudes with rifles. And they gave him a blindfold. They told him to sit down. He said no. Uh, he stood up. I believe he took off the blindfold as well. And he's extended his hands out almost in the shape of a cross. In one hand, he had the rosary. On the other hand, he had the Bible. And right before the men shot him, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, which is exactly what Jesus did. Uh, So then the man, everyone shot him, all five, in the torso, and Miguel Pro didn't react. He was unaffected by the five shots. That kind of freaked out the president, so the president commanded one of them to march up to Miguel Pro and shoot him in the head at point-blank range. So that's what killed him. Uh, And they took pictures of this to try to, like, scare more people away from being Catholic, but it did the opposite. It made more people inspired because... There's only a few things that people are willing to die for. I think it's family, friends, God, and country. I think that's it. Nothing else would someone die for. So once people saw that, they got inspired and converted and didn't hide their faith. And I keep thinking of that newspaper article where, like you said, he was on the front. Yeah, page. you can see the picture. Like he, you can't yeah, see his, he, you can't see his head being you, blown off. But right, you can you, yeah. can, you can look at look him up, and he's in the sign of the cross. Yeah. He's holding his arms out like he's Jesus. I mean, like totally dying the way Jesus did in the same yep. the same shape. That's amazing, you know? Yep. Uh, I, I love Miguel Pro. Really cool. Stealth. Stealth sleeper pick, too. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with not a sleeper pick. Um, my my martyrdom saint, I'm going to go with St. Peter. I knew you were going to say St. Peter. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, now, there's been a lot of great female martyrs, too. Maybe we could do a future episode on that. But for this one, I'm going to go with St. Peter um, because I love the tradition. There's an old church tradition. It's not in the Bible. It's not an official church teaching, obviously. But there's a tradition, I don't want to say legend, because many times these traditions turn out to be true, you know. Uh, So saying that uh, Peter, you know, after Jesus resurrected and ascended, he obviously was the first bishop of Rome and started evangelizing within the Roman Empire and the city of Rome particularly. Uh, He was very old. He he was evangelized for decades there, and he would always evade capture. He probably got tipped off by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Like he, I mean, this guy was having visions. You hear about the visions in Acts of the Apostles. These people, the apostles reached great heights of sanctity, and um, he was probably being tipped off every time when the Romans knew which secret Christian family he was living with, and he would go to a new one. And uh, he did this for a long time. 
Uh, he was also probably tipped off by his friends because he had a lot of connections. There's a lot of people converting in the Roman army and things like that. So he's like over 100 years old now. And uh, he's w living with a new Christian family. And someone tips him off and says, the Romans know where you are. You better get out of the city. So he goes to leave the city uh, to go to the outs outskirts of the city. And as he's leaving the entrance of the city, he sees a silhouette of someone coming towards him. As the silhouette gets closer, he sees uh, that the person is carrying an actual cruci like crucifix, like a cross. As the person gets closer and closer, he realizes he's seeing Jesus, which is obviously he's having a vision because like Jesus has ascended into heaven already. And as they're passing each other, Jesus going into the city, Peter going out, he says, Lord, where are you going? Jesus looks at him and says, I'm going back into Rome to be crucified. After that vision, Peter literally stopped, turned around, went back into the city, and just kept evangelizing, and kind of almost allowed himself to be captured. Right. He took that I as... I didn't know that. Yep. He took that as Jesus. It's, I'm getting chills, and I really do think this really did happen, because when the church has these ancient traditions, and yeah. like you said, there's no fail-safe way to know, uh -huh. and they're not. it's not really the most important thing, but but they're really cool, and um, these stories get transmitted for a reason, and usually they're guided by the Holy Spirit. And the chills I'm getting right now, I really do think it is legit. Yeah. He turns around, he goes back into the city... And um, he took that as like, okay, I'm, I'm ready to die for Christ. Um, he was also, the way he was crucified, upside down, right? Yep. And really in the shape of an X, uh, because he did not feel worthy to be crucified the same way as Jesus. What humility, what love. Uh, St. Peter, man, the rock yeah. of the church, the first one to kind of pave the way. He wasn't the first martyr. You know who the first apostle to be martyred was? Um, wait, don't tell me. Um, wasn't the first one. First apostle to be first martyred. First apostle. St. Stephen was the first martyr. martyr. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. St. James. James the Greater, I believe. Uh, he died um, in Jerusalem only about 10 years. He was the first bishop of Jerusalem, uh -huh. and he was martyred only about maybe like eight to 10 years after the resurrection. Wow. So, but Peter, man, holding it down, yep. you know, just top tier, top tier. So basketball-wise, I have Jose Sanchez and Miguel Pro, and you have Max Colby against St. Peter. So... This one, I feel like we can't just say. I think we got to leave this up to the listeners. We'll put, <laughs> right, who, a, we'll who put do a you poll think, on Spotify. Who would win a 2 and 2 basketball game? Miguel Pro and Jose Sanchez or St. Peter and uh, Maximilian Colby? I need a team name. My team name is Vivo Cristo Ray. <laughs> so now you need a team name. You oh, have Max man. Colby and St. Peter. Oh, what the heck? Oh, um, Maximilian Colby and St. Peter. That's uh, tough to make a name out of those. Yeah, they would have something to do with Our Lady because St. Peter knew Our Lady and Maximilian Colby was obsessed with Our Lady yeah. in a good way. So something like the Our, the, the Our, La Our Lady's Knights or something like that. That sounds, that <laughs> sounds corny. Really lame. It's so corny. Yeah, I don't know. All right, that's <laughs> All right so Vivo Cristo Rey against Our Lady's Knights. All right, let us know in the comments. <laughs> Great. I'm never going to win. <laughs> All right, let's take a break and then we'll wrap it up with either the Devotional Cup or the story from Miguel Pro. Okay, we're about to do either to the Devotional Cup or we're going to hear the story of um, uh, Blessed Jose, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, not Miguel Pro. That was a typo, a verbal typo. <laughs> um, but before that, I just wanted to say, if you guys like this episode, you want us to do more St. Drafty things, I think it's a pretty cool little yeah, idea. Yeah, we could do Let a Bible us, one. We could do a Bible, we biblical characters draft. We could do saints for other topics. There's so many topics in the faith you could draft saints for. <laughs> so uh, let us know. Let us know, number one, who you think would win in these battles whether it's basketball or purity or whatever. Not that you're, you're not really supposed to compare saints for holiness, but just totally for fun and out of love and support for them. Uh, and also, if you like this, send us a, a DM or whatever uh, on Instagram or a message or an email letting us know. 
Um, we, so, we always like when, when we get that every now and then somebody will send us a DM and say, yo guys, thanks so much for the podcast. Like that means a lot to us it because, because this takes a lot of time for Dan and I to do. So like when we see that somebody appreciates it, it means a lot. It does. Especially cause it's not, we don't really, we don't make a cent anymore. Yeah, <laughs> we, don't. we don't. It took the Spotify took that away. So we're just doing this, you know, it's not our main thing, but we just love doing it and we hope it's going to help some people's souls. So yeah, the encouragement is very nice. All right. So let's do the devotional cup. Right, so what we're going to do is we're going to, we haven't done the devotional cup in a while. So we want to pull from it. And if it relates to what we've been talking about, we're going to go with it. But if not, if it's something totally random, we're just going to go with the story from Jose Sanchez Del Rio. All right. So I am shaking the cup and I'm going to pull right now, trusting in the Holy Spirit. And I got the rite of exorcism. Uh, that's interesting <laughs> because one of the topics we were going to do, but didn't was spiritual warfare. Yeah. So maybe, just maybe the Lord wants us to do a second one and spiritual warfare will be one of the topics. That's that's true. Um, okay, I can relate that. Uh, the saints are instrumental in spiritual warfare. I'm not going to give you the saints I was going to mention if we did a spiritual warfare true. podcast, but they are absolutely instrumental. If you feel like you're being attacked and weirdly enough, the last couple of weeks, I'm not going to go into detail. Some weird things have been happening to me. I was telling Anthony before before we started hit and record, just all the odd things that have been happening, but to me and, and my family, the last couple of weeks, like very odd. And you know, I think spiritually about everything, but you don't want to freak out and think that every you know get superstitious and think that everything's a spiritual attack. You got to be grounded and listen to the Holy Spirit on those things. But I really actually do feel like I've been kind of attacked recently. So this is very interesting that that came up. Yeah, I agree. And also just to kind of tie this into what we just did, the rite of exorcism, well, John Paul II, he was one of the saints that you mentioned. So even if we do another podcast on this in the future, you already mentioned John Paul II. Oh, should I not <laughs> say what he did? Or No, go ahead. So whenever um, people would, an exorcism priest would invoke the help of St. John Paul II, the demons would shriek. So the exorcist priest would ask the question, like, why are you so afraid of St. John Paul II? And they said, because he stole so many youth from us. Yes. He loved the youth. He has snatched so many young souls yep. from our grasp. In a good that's, way, stole the youth from the evil. That's, yep, that's amazing. So, wow. And all of these saints, they triumphed over over evil. Like, if you think about it, like, their theology, uh, evil messes with theology even, because it's, as St. Paul says, when, when the more we let sin, and we're living in this fallen sinful world, the more we let that in our mind and our hearts and souls, the more darkened our minds, our intellects become, and our theology gets messed up. As soon as evil comes in, our purity gets messed with because you start using other people or not respecting other people's uh, bodies the way we're supposed to. Uh, and then uh, finally, if you have, if the, the devil's messing with you, well, what's the, one of the number one things the devil uses? It's fear. And if you have fear, you're not going to be able to give up your life for Christ or even get over your sins. So every single one of these saints that we've talked about is an example of some kind of triumph over evil, which only Christ can give you that power. And these saints are amazing examples of that. And you want to end with the, the uh, Jose Sanchez? All right, I'll tell it anyway. Miracle? Yeah, sure. Um, so the miracle that St. Jose Sanchez del Rio got credit for, well, God always does miracles. Saints get the assist, kind of like an alley-oop. Uh, the saints do the pass. God does the dunk. So 2008, uh, there was a young baby named Guadalupe. Four months old with four diseases. I never remember the fourth disease. I should look this up. One was meningitis, one was epilepsy, and one was leukemia, and another one on top of that. Four months old, she was attached to life support, uh, very close to death. The doctors were doing everything they could. Nothing was working. The baby was suffering, and the doctors had to make a decision to unplug the machines to let the baby die peacefully. Now, the mom didn't want to. She wanted the baby to hold on, but the mom understood the situation. The baby wasn't getting any better, was suffering. So the mom said one more prayer asking for the intercession of blessed Jose Sanchez del Rio because at the time he was blessed. 
Uh, she said a prayer only to him. And the doctors go over to the baby. They unplug the machines and they expect her to just kind of peacefully and very quickly pass away. But as soon as they unplug the machines, the baby opens up her eyes and she lets out a little baby laugh. And the doctors rush over to see what's happening. They rush over, they run tests, like all these alarms are going off in the hospital. They found that in that moment, all four diseases that she had left her body. And today, that was 2008, today she's a healthy 15-year-old girl living in Mexico. So this miracle was lasting. And for the fact that the doctors were there to witness this, to see her have four medical conditions to zero medical conditions, like that doesn't happen. Like that's not just something, that's not like you have a cold or a stuffy nose and you wake up and your nose is clear. Like, it's a little bit more intense than that. Right. So whenever it's medically backed, that just gives me even more faith. So that is the miracle that took him from blessed to saint. So I think those miracles are, again, they're amazing signs. Like, the martyrdom, as horrible as that is, there's so much good there. There's the courage, the love of the martyrs, and then the resurrection. Jesus' resurrection proves it in the end. Joy, love wins out. Jose Sanchez is not dead. He absolutely was instrumental in this girl's recent miracle showing that in the end heaven will win out no matter what age you die at so if god can give us joy even at an early early death there's nothing he can't there's no situation in this life on this side of heaven that he can't give a little bit of heaven to us now very nicely said should we do a closing prayer yeah all right name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen amen dear lord we ask for the intercession of all these saints and i'm actually going to name them we ask for saint augustine saint maria gretti saint joseph saint john bosco St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Anthony of Egypt, St. John Paul II, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Jose Sanchez del Rio, St. Maximilian Colby, Blessed Miguel Pro, and St. Peter. We ask for their intercession, not only for Dan and I, but for Rocco as well, uh, for Danielle, who also helps us with the podcast from time to time, and for all of you, all of our listeners. We ask that these saints absolutely bless you, guide you, protect you, and keep you close to God. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless. Amen.